Welcome to another life-changing message brought to you with the compliments of Touch the Nations Ministries. May you be blessed as you allow the Word of God to touch and transform your life through the following message from Dr. Ben Kleinans. I wanted to close this chapter on the Reformation and everything, but I just feel maybe I should do maybe one more on this whole deal. Maybe a second one. Those of you that didn't get all the previous, please get the series. You have to listen to this because this, this stuff is, the one thing is building on the other one. And maybe what I'm going to do this morning is going to be maybe elementary to you, but I felt by the Holy Spirit this is important just to complete or take together and bring to completion this understanding of what the Lord spoke to us when He started with Reformation. And let me just read the scripture that we started with in Reformation, Leviticus 26 Verse 23 and 24, you have these. Let me just quickly recap a few things and then get into what I believe God wants to say to us this morning. He says this, And if by these things you are not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you, and I will punish you yet seven times for your sins. And I explained to you in the beginning that the word sin is not what our mindset of smoking, drinking, dancing, wearing long pants and makeup and all those kinds of things. The word sin here in the original language means this to miss the mark. Anything that you will do to miss the mark, to miss your purpose and destiny in God. So God is saying, if you're not going to reform, if you're going to keep on sinning, keep on missing, then I'm going to punish you yet seven times. That's why God has given us the apostolic in this season, restoring to us the apostolic so that we can have a greater understanding to what and how we should reform. And how the church should reform. And we did now a couple of Sundays we spoke on reformation. And I started out saying that uh, when the church is out of order and not in proper form, there is a need to reform. Wherever there is a need for reformation, the Lord will send forth His apostles. And the apostolic is a finishing anointing that will bring to completion and perfection that which is on the heart of God the Father. I also said, and I read to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, out of the Living Bible, and I said to you this, So Apollos and I should be looked upon, looked upon, see, by the Spirit, as Christ's servants who distribute God's blessings by explaining God's secrets. So the apostolic is here to explain God's secrets. And when people embrace God's secrets, when they make it part of their lives, when they become actually that word that God has spoken, then we start to experience the blessings that God has earmarked for our lives. That whole psalm, if you go through the valley of weeping, Baca, you will make it into a place of springs. And how do you make your valley of weeping a place of springs? I think it's Psalm 84, if I'm correct. Then what happens then is that the way you change your valley of weeping to a valley of springs is by living according to the proceeding word that God has already released in this season. Reformation is also this, the qualifying of the church in order to punish disobedience. Reformation is this. I'm going to give you a couple of definitions quickly. It is a spiritual alignment to the order of God. That's actually what I've been speaking about. When I spoke about Reformation, I spoke about the fact that we have to spiritually align our lives according to the order of God. How do we find the order of God? Through apostolic doctrine. What is doctrine? You're an apostolic house, you should know. Doctrine is a set of principles. What is a principle? A principle is a law that governs our actions and behaviors. So if we live by the apostolic doctrines, then we live by principles. And when we live by principles, we are living according to laws 
that will govern our actions and behaviors. And what's very important is what Eddie O'Neill said two ATFs ago, what we find in the church is that a lot of people live by preference and not principles. You live by what you like. You live by how you want to live. You live by what you think is right. And therefore we find many times that the church of Jesus Christ is out of order, not living in the mysteries of God and therefore not receiving the blessings of the Lord. See how easy this is? So Reformation is all about spiritual alignment to the order of God. Reformation is also this. is the installation of the proceeding word in a people. That's actually the simplest form that you can get it. Reformation is the installation of the proceeding word, the current mysteries that God is revealing to the church in the life of a people. So if that word is not instilled in your life, if you are not living by proceeding word, it means that you're not at the place of reformation and therefore you are living in sin and God can come and punish you yet seven times. Listen, don't be bothered about the punishment. I think it's just the fact that God said seven times to me is not that God is now getting, that we have this mindset of typically unadjusted, earthly father with a warped mind that is ready to smack his children for any and every little mistake they make. That's not what this thing is about. The seven times, the severity of the seven times is actually more an indication of how serious God is that you should reform. Okay? So God is serious about this. So Reformation is the installation of the proceeding word in a people. Now, and what I spoke to you about then is that then after I spoke to you about how we should refute arguments, theories, reasons, and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead, we lead every thought and purpose away captive into obedience of Christ, the anointed one, to punish every disobedience. That's 2 Corinthians 10. And I showed you that reformation is us punishing disobedience. And I showed you that the connection between arguments, theories, and reasonings, and proud and lofty things that set itself up against the knowledge of God, how we have to lead those things captives. And those things are actually not coming against the man. It comes against the proceeding word. Most of our arguments and our reasonings and every proud and lofty things that set itself up against God, what God is saying now, the mysteries, so what we find now in the church, now when reasoning set in, when there's arguments, when there's thoughts that are inaccurate, it's actually those things are coming against the proceeding word of what God is releasing now in the church. If God said nothing, there would be no arguments. The moment God said something, that's when it activated your carnal mind, which is enmity against God, and what your carnal mind does, it opposes, it sets itself up. It wants to argue and reason that which God is saying. And I spoke to you in your thought and mind how we should lead our thoughts captive. And I said to you that in the boat, when I spoke to you about Matthew 4, that in the boat, we many times have the safety. But when we step out of the boat, when the winds and the storms, and when God gives us a command to come to live a higher life through the proceeding word, commanding us to reform, to align, to a higher dimension of life, that many times we will find storms and winds that will come against us. 
But that we should not live by our natural senses, but we should live by the Spirit, discern things by the Spirit, and not through our carnal mind and by the flesh. Because if you start to live by the flesh, the flesh or the carnal mind is enmity against God. It cannot reason out the things of God. It cannot understand the things of God. It doesn't have a clue or a concept of what God is saying. Therefore, if you live by a carnal mind, it would always oppose the things of God. And God also wonderfully gave me a scripture. Because many times I would say things and I wouldn't know what I'm saying, but I know what I'm saying is right. And I just mentioned this to someone as they gave me a scripture. Naaman 1 verse 3. It says, His way is in the whirlwind and in the storm. And clouds are the dust of His feet. And I told you that your answer many times is in your storm. But what you want to do is you want to get back into the safety of your boat. And the safety of your boat is your reasonings and arguments and mindsets that you have. The things that you are feeling comfortable with. And what you see is how people sometimes flip-flop. They put their feet outside of the boat. They see the storms of the wind and they get back in the boat. They say, no, 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 wait. I don't agree with that thing. You know, I don't agree with what that guy said about this. I don't know if that is true. But you will find God in your storm. So what you have to do is, you have to disengage your mind. Get out of that boat. Put your foot on the water. No matter how high the waves and how big the wind that creates the storm. Not fixing your eyes on the storm, but fixing your eyes on the solution, Christ Jesus, which is in the storm. And you see, the thing is this. If you don't disengage your mind, you can ask people that struggle with this. They've got storms in their heads. And the problem is this. They start to yield to those winds and those waves. And it causes them to sink every time. Listen to me. If you're going to try and oppose the proceeding word of God, you will sink every time. Why? Because you have to revert to the natural, the carnal mind. To reason out these things. Because if you stay with a spiritual mindset, your spirit will know this is the truth, this is God, this is what he's saying. And there will be no arguments. But the moment you revert to the flesh and start to argue, you'll sink every time. And you know what you do? You open up your mouth and everybody knows that you're in the flesh. Everybody knows what you're saying now is in the flesh. And everybody knows that that thought, that mindset, which you just verbalized, is going to cause you to sink. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3, right down the scripture, says this. This is Paul speaking. And this verse 3 is just after verse 2, where Paul said, I have longed to present you to Christ as a pure virgin. In other words, I don't want you to be defiled. Hello? And also, I don't want you to conceive by the flesh. I want you to be conceived through the Spirit. Therefore, I have longed to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But then he says this in verse 3, and he connects this two with each other, the verse, verse 2 and verse 2, that's 2 Corinthians 11. He says this, But I fear, lest somehow, as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity of that is in Christ. 
So if he connects it with verse 2, he's actually saying the way you can ever lose your virginity as the bride of Christ is when your carnal mind is activated because then you're going to be deceived. So how many of the church has lost his virginity? I, I just felt I needed to bring to a conclusion what God has been saying. I want to ask you in Jesus' name, go listen to last Sunday's sermon three times over. At least. I tell you, I've said things there that after I said it, I realized this was God. That will help you. You've got to understand that there's two things that God calls his enemy. One is mammon, and the other thing is your mind. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. So it's something that always will oppose God. There's two things. The money thing that we struggle with, that we have to deal with, that we have to sort out in our understanding. And the second thing is our mind. Your mind will trip you. Through your mind comes deception. Through your mind comes inaccuracy. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So actual fact, what we see who you are is a product of your thought life. If you struggle to break through, if you struggle to have fruit in your life, if you struggle to have the blessing of the Lord in your life, Maybe something is warped in your mind. Maybe you're thinking in a way that you're not supposed to think. Maybe God is saying the very fact that you don't have purpose on your purple tree and apples in the apple tree is because there's something with your mind. But what we do is this. Who? Me? No, it's all of you guys that are thinking wrong. Because the problem with mind is this. It says once when you are deceived, you don't know that you're deceived. When you deceive, you are thinking that you're the only guy that is right. Go ask any guy that's deceived. He'll tell you how right he is. But with a, with a person that wants to walk in a, with a sober mind and having the mind of Christ, you will always find humility. He'd be slow and make sure that he has his facts right. He won't make a statement. He will ask a question. Because if you make a statement, then you are saying, I'm absolutely sure of what I believe is truth. And especially those that are deceived. They make a lot of statements. That's why you can ask Charles and them. I always teach them. Ask questions. Ask a question. He said, I, I want to have the answer. How do you see it? Or how do you perceive this? I have an understanding, but how do you see it? Why? Because you're after understanding. Proverbs 18, verse 2. A fool does not seek understanding, but likes to air his opinion. Most guys with deceived minds are opinionated and they're fools. And the reason I, can, I mention it because I really believe that God wants to bring His church to a place where we are careful what we say. Yes. That we make sure that we operate in the mind of Christ and not with a carnal mind. Yes. 
Because whatever we're going to do if we operate in a carnal mind will always oppose the things of God. And therefore we live in a disobedience. And if we don't punish that disobedience, we will not come to a place of obedience. And therefore we will never come to a place of being fully secured and complete in Him. That's the gospel. So God's desire for us is this. For us to come to a place of being fully secured and complete. Complete is perfection. Listen, I tell you, you can live in this earth in perfection. It's possible. And true dominion can never come if you don't rule your mind. That's the first piece of ground and earth that God gives you to exercise your authority over. The authority that he gave you in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27, 28, which is your apostolic mandate, the first authority, the first place of dominion that God gave you is the piece of earth that he first gave you is your mind. So if you cannot rule your mind, if you cannot rule your mind, you cannot have dominion in the earth and therefore you cannot administrate your inheritance which God left you before the foundation of the earth. God is not going to give this inheritance to fools. In other words, people that are not after understanding. You understand? That's the Bible. It's not me swearing. The Bible says it. People look at me. Why are you swearing? It's not me. The Bible says it. That's Bible. Scripture. God wants a people that will not act as fools. But for people that will be of noble character like the Bereans. And Acts 17 says, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians because they researched the scriptures daily to see whether what Paul taught whether it was the truth. Why did they research the scriptures? To make sure they can pull down and punish every disobedience. To come into a place of obedience. And when they've come into a place of obedience, it caused them to be of noble character. But if you only have an opinion, you're a fool. Because you don't have, you're not after understanding. The mind is a battlefield. The mind is a battlefield. Our warfare is not against flesh or blood. But principalities. Principalities that set itself above, up above everything that is the true knowledge of God. That's why 2 Thessalonians talks about that Satan masquerades himself as God. Sitting in your temple. Trying to portray himself as God. So we have to have dominion over our mind. Because that is the quickest way of how you're going to come to a place of reformation. If you can deal with your mind, let me tell you, if you can deal with your mind and not question what God is saying in the season and embrace what God is saying, you will punish disobedience, you will live in a life of obedience, and with obedience comes the blessings of the Lord, and then you will find yourself, the next thing that will happen in your life, automatically reformation will start to take place in every part of your being. Why do we need reformation? Because we can no longer attend church. We are the church. God wants to show himself off. God wants to make himself visible through you and me. And the only way that he can do it is when you and I have come to a place of fully obedience to the word of God. So that's why reformation is so important. That's why your mind is so important. If we're not going to deal with the minds of the people which are the church of Jesus Christ, we're going to find ourselves with a dysfunctional church. Because what we've had up to now is that we think in a certain way and we think that is the church. No, first of all, how we can become the church is by punishing disobedience, by taking every thought captive that will oppose itself 
up against the true knowledge of God. They must come against the proceeding word. We have to lead those thought captives ourselves, punish the disobedience, come into obedience, and therefore walk into the fullness of reformation. So that God can reveal Himself to the world out there and to you. And so you can become, so you can walk in the mysteries, like Paul says. We are the servants, Paul and I, are the servants of Christ. And you have to look upon us as the servants of Christ that distributes God's blessings by explaining God's uh, mysteries, God's secrets. So the blessing comes to you, not when you oppose or live in disobedience, opposing the secrets, opposing the mysteries, which are actually the proceeding word of God. But when you come and you embrace it with everything on the inside of you and say, this is God that has spoken, I align myself. And then you will find how the blessings will manifest in your life. Amen? Now, if we are truly an apostolic people, a church, then I want to say this, and I don't want to use the word um, haphazardly, then we will either fail together or we'll succeed together. Because what God is saying today, this is very important, what God is saying today is not just for one or two people. In the previous season, what we find in our understanding, you know, when we went through the prosperity message, as we had four steps to this and five steps to that, and if we apply this, then we'll become wealthy or we become successful. And what we found in that season, only a few people has really attained that measure. That most of the church still struggled. Although a couple of people became wealthy or rich or, or prosperous. Not wealthy. Prosperous. You know what the difference between prosperous and wealth is? Prosperity is where you still have to work to be prosperous. But wealth is you don't have to work anymore. Yeah. And, and the, that was the problem with that message. But God now wants us, all of us, corporately, we have to understand it, corporately, nobody must be left out in the church. From the pastor till the smallest one in the congregation, which is part of God's church. Everyone should move into a dimension where we come to a place of succeeding in the purpose of God for our lives. Where we experience His goodness, His mercy. Where we experience His wealth. Where we experience His blessings. Where we experience the goodness of God in so many dimensions that we cannot even mention it. But the fact is this. In the apostolic, we have to know this. Either we're going to succeed together or we're going to fail together. Because this word is not the word just for one person. It's not just for the pastor. Although many times God will cause him, listen to my words, to break through in the dimension first. Why? So that he can lead his people to where he's been. So if your pastor is poor, I want to tell you the only way out for you is you're going to be poor. That's your measure. I hate poverty. But I'm telling you, you know why? Because the devil has been keeping our people poor too long. And the thing is, is this, we have to come into a greater understanding of what God has purposed for our church, for the church. And the thing is this, if we don't come to a position of wealth in the church, we will never attain the fullness of what God has for the church because it cannot be obtained through just tithes and offerings. I've said that many times. Tithe and offering will be but a principle that we apply in our lives because that will be an indicator of where our hearts belong. But how are we going to steward everything else that God is going to trust us will truly show whether we're the church or not. But we're about to burst into that dimension. I'm telling you. I'm talking about the church corporately. Corporately. Because God is bringing us a greater understanding of the season. Going to show you how to become wealthy. Each of us must come into his or her measure. 
according to Ephesians 4. The full measure and stature of Christ. Many of us have not come to our measure, according to Ephesians. And God wants us to come to our full measure. And I want to say this. This can no longer be just a message. It must become a lifestyle. This needs to manifest itself in the life of those that are the church of Jesus Christ. We've been having apostolic doctrines and proceeding word now for four or five years in this place. The foundations should by now probably be very accurately laid in your life. Now that thing needs to kick in in your life and it needs to start to bear fruit because you are coming into your measure. You are coming into your glory. You're coming into the place where God can use you. This is not no longer just sitting in a pew Sunday after Sunday just listening to a message. But now that message has to find resonance in you and now you have to start to bear fruit of that very measure of the Word of God that's been released in your life. And that is you coming into your measure. And what we've done is we have been waiting the one upon the other. That's why many times I'm so tired. Because I've been waiting. And waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. You've got to understand this. This thing crossing the Jordan, the washing of the water of the word into our promised land, that was for all of the people of Israel. We couldn't leave a couple of them the other side of the wilderness in the desert for them to die. No, those that needed to die has already died. This is a new generation. Those that needed to leave us, they already left. Those that needed to be sent home, they already been sent home. Now it's time for us, listen to me church, to go through the Jordan, dip underneath the water, the water wash and cover us, make sure the foundation is laid so we can walk into our promised land. So we can see the effectiveness of this word now manifestly in our lives. And the thing is this, the moment you go into your promised land, you don't need miracles anymore because you're going to work your land. You're not going to wait for stuff to fall in your lap. That's why the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. In other words, it's laying somewhere. And it's not in heaven. My goodness, come on. It's not in heaven. Pick up the shovel. Pick up the pick and start work your land. You have now entered the place of a much, much, much fruitful land. I tell you, it's all over the place. All you have to go is just to go pick it off the trees. It's laid up. It's been stored away. It's been sitting there for ages. But what people want is, they want to live in the wilderness because they got so used to the miracles that God gave them every day. That's laziness. Get off your blessed assurance. Shower yourself with the Word of God and start to cross over into your Jordan, your promised land, your measure that God has for you and start to work that land and see how God's goodness will come to you in so many ways. That's what God wants. Everything in the universe is by law and all reproduces after its own kind. What do you reproduce? What is the fruit on your life? Give me, give me, my name is Jimmy. Now start to give, give, give. Become like God. His nature is give. Bible says God works with those who work. Genesis 1 verse 11 to 12 says this. 
Then God said, Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, 12. Then God says, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and tree bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. What are you reproducing? If you have the mind of Christ now, if you don't operate through a carnal mind now, if you have been reformed, if you become the church, I ask you, what are you reproducing? Because the soul will mirror either the spirit or the flesh. Your soul will mirror either the spirit or the flesh. So what manifests through your will, your intellect, and your emotions will be an indication of whether you live in the flesh or in the spirit. Because your soul mirrors either your flesh or your spirit. So what are you producing? So this is the next level. It can only be a mind now. Now the mind, when it is the mind of Christ, when you have the thoughts of Christ, remember that one scripture, we have the thoughts of Christ? That's a good scripture. I'll show you something. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16. We Christians actually do have within us a portion of the very thoughts and mind of Christ. The true living Bible. So now that you have the thoughts and the minds of Christ, now that you've punished disobedience, now that your life has come to a place of obedience, do you still live according to the flesh or do you live according to the Spirit? Because the fruit that you are bearing, the fruit that your life is showing, will show us whether you are living according to the flesh or according to the Spirit. We have to bear fruit, people. John 15. I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. Verse 1. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Listen. All of you, your life are bearing fruit. It might not be the good fruit. It might not be the right fruit. It might be fruit that comes out of your flesh. Opposing to fruit that comes out of the spirit. But your life is bearing fruit. If your life did not bear fruit, you would have been cut off. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. So that it will be even more fruitful. Like this. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in me and my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I loved you. Greater love is no one than this and laying down his life for his friends. Then verse 16. You did not choose me. 
But I chose you. And appointed you. To do what? To go and bear fruit. That's our appointment. God is telling you, I want you to go and bear fruit. What fruit? Fruit that will last. Then, say then. The Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Let me just jump something here quickly. John 6 says this, verse 63 and 64 in the NIV. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe it. How do we bear fruit? I mean, how does God speak? God speaks in Logos. How does God speak? What is Logos? Ideas and thoughts. It's the word. I know the word is the Logos, the written word. But it's also ideas and thoughts. And God speaks when, the, when I speak. For instance, God used the crooks, the herald of divine truth. When he opens his mouth, remember that when I spoke to you, I said to you, in, to be established in the gospel, I said that we are the mouth of Christ. Remember that scripture? So when Christ speaks to you, his words, what happens with you? It forms ideas and thoughts. So when these words come, you have to understand they are spirit in their life. And that's where the devil wants to trip us. That's where he wants to trip you. That's why the Bible says, the God of this age, according to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. When are you an unbeliever? When you oppose the proceeding word. Remember? When you don't cast down strongholds. When you don't punish disobedience. Watch this. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Who's the image of God? You are. You are creating his image line. And the way that the devil distorts your image, the way you see yourself, that's why people are living in unbelief. The way that you see yourself depends how you're going to operate. And the way that the devil wants to destroy the image of God in you is because he wants to blind your mind. So if he can blind your mind, then he distorts the image of Christ in you. The Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 27, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what he does is he wants to come and distort the very image of God on the inside of you, causing you to be an unbeliever because you don't pull down strongholds, you don't come against everything that opposes the proceeding word of God, you don't punish disobedience, you don't live in, in obedience. But if we come to that place where we realize that God speaks to us, and that the Spirit gives life. And the flesh counts for nothing. And the words that God speaks, that they are spirit and they are life. Then we see ourselves in the true image who we are. Because we are not blinded by the schemes of the devil. We have the image of God on the inside of us. And now we can operate on those words that God spoke. Because that is what uh, John 15 says. He says this. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. How do we become these branches that are bearing much fruit? It's by building our life on the spoken word of God. When God speaks to you, you cannot bear fruit outside of the word of God. And he says, you see, God is so wonderful. He, he's so awesome. He says, you're really clean. Why? Because he expects and accepts that you will expect, accept the word. 
He says, you're already clean. Because of the word that I spoke. And because you live according to my word. And because you're living according to my word. Now, he says this, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit outside of itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Remain in what? In my preceding word. And my preceding word in you. Now the Father says, if you truly love me, you obey my commands. What are my commands? The preceding word. And if you live... He said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And how do you do it? If you obey my commands. That's my preceding word. You will remain in my love. That's where you connect it with 1 John 4 verse 18. Perfect love dries out all fear. How does the devil operate? Through fear. But because you are living according to the commands of God, His proceeding word, His word, you are remaining in His love. And no fear can get hold of your life. I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. Love each other as I loved you. Then it says this, which is powerful. You did not choose me. I know you are already clean. And you did not choose me. That's why I make this declaration of you. You're already clean. Because I know that you'll see my love in this. That you will follow my commandments. You will live by my preceding word. You'll be reformed according to that. That's why I've chosen you. You did not choose me. And now I tell you, but I chose you. And I've appointed you. That word appointed is the highest form of establishment when he talks about I've ordained you. To go and bear fruit. And this will be fruit by the Spirit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. The Word of God is so powerful. It shows you what your mind will do with you. It will rob you of the commands of God. It will rob you of bearing fruit. It will rob you of living in love, a fearless life, and a place in a position where you can ask God anything because you are living in His commands and His love. 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Then it says this, verse 17. In this way, love is made complete amongst us. So that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like Him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Stop looking for God on another planet called heaven. He's on the inside of you. And the way that he manifests himself. And the only way that God can manifest himself, watch this. The only way that God can manifest himself through you is through love. And if you live according to the commands of the word of God and bearing fruit, because that's the obvious outcome, 
No fear can come to you. Because where there's love, there can be no fear. Because perfect love drives out all fear. All fear of your circumstance, your situation, everything you find yourself in. Because you're now in the will of God. And now God says, I want to just remind you that you are like me in this world. You have my image. And now because you live in love, because you have been reformed to my word, not opposing it, punish disobedience, pull down strongholds your minds. You live according to my commands and obedience. God says, you are like me in this world. And because you are like me, I want to remind you that you did not choose me, but I chose you, and now I command you to go bear fruit. And because you are bearing fruit that are last, because it comes out of a heart of love for me, and me for you, now you can ask me anything you want. So what is your soul mirroring in your life? Your flesh or your spirit? If you have punished disobedience, your soul can but mirror nothing else but your spirit. Because your spirit agrees with the proceeding word of God. There's no arguments in you. There's no reasonings. There's no lofty or proud things. I'm going to oppose the things of God. What God is releasing in the earth. Then God is saying, now you're following my commands. And the actual fact, he says something else. I don't call you servants anymore. Because a servant does not know what his master is doing. But because you've become my friends now, I will reveal everything to you because you're my friends. So nothing will be hidden to you anymore. Why? Because you have been reformed. Listen, I'm telling you what church you're about on the brink of a breakthrough in your life that you've never seen or experienced before. But know this, that we have a responsibility to punish every disobedience. If we can just get that thing right, I tell you what the heavens will, the heavens are already busy opening. I know it. But the manifestation of that open heaven will be you will walk in so much love that all of your prayers will be answered. You, hey, you wouldn't even need me. All you're going to need me is just to unlock some more mysteries to you so you can experience more blessing. But you'll so be blessed you don't know what to do with all your blessings. That's what God is about to do in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message. If you would like to find out more about Touch the Nations Ministries or inquire about the resources available from this ministry, please contact them at admin at ttn.co.za or visit their website at ttn.co.za. May God bless you as you grow from strength to strength in His infallibly magnificent Word.